1: This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Uh, that's a, a newsletter that I've been writing since 1981, actually, and uh, devoted full-time to it in uh, 1997 when I left ING Bearings. Uh, to uh, uh, left a, an investment banking job there to do full-time uh, to pay full-time attention to my newsletter and related uh, things that I have been involved with, including raising some capital early on for smaller companies. Um, and the newsletter I'm continuing to write, and I believe that we are in a bull market of a lifetime for gold mining shares. I'm also looking at some very interesting things uh, in the technology sector that I'll be telling my subscribers about in the not-too-distant future. One company in particular that's still private but will be going public very soon is a water company that I think may have a revolutionary water technology well we'll see if it's as big as it looks like it might be it could be uh, a very very big uh, profit opportunity we'll see uh, as time goes on, but I did visit the offices of this company in Toronto when I was there last weekend, and it looks very, very interesting. So it's, it's a company, uh, that I'll probably be talking about on this show, but certainly in my newsletter as well. Well, you can, uh, li- you can uh, subscribe to my newsletter as well as Chen Lin's newsletter. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? Uh, you can call my assistant Claudio Bossi in New York at 718 457 718-457-1426 or go to miningstocks.com to sign up either for my newsletter or Chen's newsletter. Now, I believe I write a pretty good newsletter, but it doesn't compare in terms of its profit performance to Chen. Chen has been absolutely amazing. He has taken uh, a particular account that we track, uh, his wife's IRA, from $5,400 back in 2002 up uh, through uh over three million dollars, almost three point one million dollars at the end of last uh, at the end of last month. Chen has done extremely well. He is a very very bright uh, stock picker. Uh, he thinks outside the box. He is not confined by ideology. Chen just uh, sort of uses his head to figure out uh, what is undervalued. He is very much a value investor. But you uh, you can take advantage of Chen's uh, intellect and his. A profit-making opportunities by uh, subscribing to his newsletter again Chen uh, Lin's letter what is Chen buying what is Chen selling Claudio Bossi uh, you can call him in New York at 718-457-1426 or go to miningstocks.com uh, just to give you an idea um, well enough about Chen he's done extremely well uh, I think I've said enough uh, he's he's done very well and we will have him on this show from time to time in the future uh, without a doubt um, Anyway, let me go to. Uh, let me also say that with respect to my activities, you can also go to JayTaylorMedia.com, which is probably the best place to go to, to access this radio show. If you want to do it live, you can also access this show, of course, through the iStore, or you can download. Uh, most people, in fact, probably ninety-five percent of our large listening audience, downloads and listens to this show via podcast. We do have between. Well, we have a few hundred to a couple of thousand live listeners, but for the most part, the numbers are really big uh, in terms of the downloads. So that's uh, what most people do, and you can go to J. Taylor Media to access Voice America uh, website, which carries uh, the business uh, channel, uh, the one that I'm on, this this show. Uh, and um, J. Taylor Media also... You can access other things that I do. My newsletter. You can get to my newsletter at miningstocks.com, uh, and also catch up with various interviews that I do. I was on recently on CNBC Squawk Box with Joe Kernan, and uh, yeah, that was a week or so ago. Also uh, last week I was at BNN for a few minutes uh, in Toronto. So from time to time, you can catch those things that I'm involved with, jaytaylormedia.com. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making this the number one show on the Voice of America Business Channel. We're very proud of that. We, uh, we're working hard. We're going to be spending more time in the future, however, I believe. I want to try to devote half of this show to how you can make money. We bellyache a lot about the difficulties, the problems of this world, the powers behind the throne, the people that are causing us a, a lot of misery, the, uh, the people that are unfair, the injustice of this world, for sure. We talk, and we focus about that. Uh, the loss of freedom, we're going to be talking a lot today about uh, the, the, uh, the ruling elite that are trying to form a one-world government that are slowly but surely doing so, it seems, and what that means for you and me in terms of our individual liberty Well, it it isn't a very good picture in many ways, and I think all of the problems that we're seeing in uh, in the global economy sort of feed into that and give an excuse to take away our liberties and our freedoms. Those are issues that are very real. Those are issues that we don't want to ignore, put our head in the sand, because I think you need to be ready as much as possible to try to... Uh, Well, to protect yourself and your family against the harm that may come your way as the middle class is increasingly squeezed out of existence by the rich ruling elite in our government and uh, the friends in the banking industry, are uh, the strange bedfellows that are very much a part of uh, the world that controls our lives. Well, we don't want to uh, not focus on those issues. That's, That's going to be a very big part of our show. It has been, always will be. But then that being the case... What can you and I do to best protect ourselves against the uh, the outcome? Um, and I think very clearly a declining um, welfare of uh, the same material welfare going forward. Uh, how can we best protect ourselves? So I'm going to spend more time in the future. We're going to be talking to some very interesting people uh, in terms of uh, investments in the resource sector and uh, mining sector. Uh, we'll be talking more to, uh, geologists, uh, investors like Brent Cook, uh, perhaps Eric Coffin, uh, very, a very well astute, uh, mining analyst, uh, in, on the West Coast. Uh, I think of Mickey Fulp and, and others that, uh, that have an expertise in this sector. Uh, we're going to talk to them about some of the pitfalls in mining, uh, stocks and uh, investing in the mining sector as well as some of the opportunities, get some concrete ideas about how we can invest and how we can protect ourselves. Well, one of the things that I am proud, proud also about this show uh, is that our sponsors, I believe, offer some good opportunities along those lines, too. And we do want to thank our sponsors for the first hour of today's show. They are Arroway Energy, Brazil Resources, Eurostar Gold Corp., Liberty Silver Corp., um, and, well, those are the sponsors that we have for the first hour of today's show. Also, I should mention Eurasia uh, Eurasian Minerals, uh, which is really one of my favorite stocks. It's probably the one that I have uh, the largest share of my uh, retirement account in. And uh, just to mention, the reason I like Eurasian Minerals, it is a project generator company, and I believe that... that model offers the best risk-reward long-term uh, for of any kind of mining company that you might, especially in the uh, exploration sector. Uh, if you're looking to invest in exploration stocks, the project generators offer the best r- uh, risk-reward trade-off, in my view. And one of the reasons I like Eurasian minerals so much is because uh, they uh not only have a lot of cash on their on their balance sheet but they have now a substantial amount of money coming in in the form of royalties from a gold mine operated by Newmont Mining in Nevada and from what i understand it looks to me like those royalties will grow should grow fairly substantially over the next number of years as they expand that project in Nevada also uh, very proud to have uh the airway energy and they will be with me on this show next week airway energy inc is a small but growing oil and gas producer, very profitable little company uh in in Canada, uh in Alberta, in fact, northern Alberta, and uh, I look for them to combine and grow and uh, in fact just announced a new uh, discovery of oil. Uh it's a nice little company and again, very selling very inexpensively, I think very worth very worthwhile uh considering that and we'll be talking to them next week. Uh, Brazil resources and um uh, and well, Brazil Resources and Eurostar Gold Corp are two sponsors that are in the exploration business. Brazil Resources is headed, uh, by Amir Adnani, who has been on this show and will be again sometime very soon. Amir is considered one of the up and coming, uh, executives in the uh, junior resource space by, by many people. He's done extremely well, uh, with, um, with the uranium company, uh, and he's also now with Brazilian Resources. They just acquired an advanced stage project in Brazil that uh, looks like it could be a multi-million ounce deposit, and uh, it is very far along towards uh, towards economics uh, on that property. Eurostar Gold Corp has a very very attractive property in. Mexico, we did talk to the company uh, a week or so ago, uh, and um, that looks very good, as well as Liberty Silver Corp. And I did meet uh, some of the executives at Liberty Silver Corp last week in Toronto. It's a company that has uh, a pretty good-looking uh, silver mine that should be put back into production in Nevada. And all of these companies are selling at very low prices. The whole industry has been hit very hard uh, of late. I don't think that the gold mining companies are at all uh, really reflecting uh, the underlying value that uh, that I see in them, certainly the profits have been rising very dramatically and they 've been rising along with the real the rise in the real price of gold. again, I keep talking about this because I think it 's so important to understand the fundamentals for gold mining are very, very strong we 're looking at a gold purchasing power that has almost tripled since the uh, before the Lehman brothers. Uh, incident, in fact, if you measure it against the Rogers raw materials fund, 17% is what an ounce of gold would have purchased in 2008. That jumped to 44% in March of 2009. It's now. Uh, at about 44-45%. It had gotten up to 49.5%. So we're looking at gold's purchasing power rising very dramatically. And with that, the major mining companies are growing very dramatically as well. Um, a series of seven of the majors went from $6.30 uh, 30 cents collectively in 2008. It grew to $20.50 last year. It's projected to go to $23 next year. So the mining companies have been on a tear. Well, we only have a minute or two left before we go to our first guest today. Gene Epstein is going to be with us. Uh, Gene will be talking uh, about uh, freedom and liberty uh, around the world and, and which countries are doing well and which not so well. And we're going to also ask him about some other things going on in New York City, the New York City Junto. He'll be commenting on as well as uh, speaking engagement that he'll be uh delivering at Columbia University on the 28th of October we'll be talking to Gene Epstein after the break and then our main uh guest today will be uh, Anita Untersee uh she's going to talk about a new uh, a new film a documentary film that she produced uh called Behold a Pale Horse uh and it's a very interesting uh commentary on the loss of liberty in America the direction that we are heading uh and uh really a, a small ruling elite that are that are really calling the shots and uh, the powers behind the throne if you will it's going to be should be a very interesting discussion and then at the uh, second hour of today's show uh, Alistair McLeod Macde- Macle- uh, will be with us again and we're going to talk to Alistair about his view of uh, how the European problem is leading to inevitably towards a return to some sort of a gold standard in the international monetary system. So that should be also very, very interesting. Well, we do have to go to break now, and when we come back, we'll be with Gene Epstein. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
3: Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico, using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of phase one drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership and loyal shareholder base, Eurostar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information.
4: Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to profitable investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to profitable investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You can also send an email to taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor, at gmail.com. Now, back to our program.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Gene Epstein. We like to have Gene join us uh, once a month right before the New York City Junto meetings uh Gene writes the economic beat column for Barron's so many of you probably have read Gene from time to time uh he also provides a uh provides book reviews for Barron's as well uh so welcome Gene good to have you back
5: Well good to be back
2: Really uh we want to talk uh, about uh, well we'll get to the New York City Junta we want you to mm-hmm. tell us about that the upcoming Event that's, uh, that's coming up, but you recently wrote a piece about uh, economic freedom, mm-hmm. uh, and apparently the Fraser Institute, which I'm familiar with because they do studies on mining, uh, the best jurisdictions for mining companies to operate on, and I, I guess they look at, at government's activities, uh, and as they get mm-hmm. in the way of, of individual liberty, is that, mm-hmm. is that what they do? And, and, uh, in any event, you recently wrote about, mm-hmm. uh, the, the trends in freedom, uh, and liberty, economic freedom, I guess, around the world. Uh, Could you Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about that?
5: Yes. Well, the Fraser Institute uh, initiated uh, this uh, attempt to measure in quantitative terms uh, the degree of economic freedom prevailing in a particular country uh, with uh, the help of uh, free market economist uh, Milton Friedman, who uh, was hoping that it would be possible to try to summarize uh, the progress and the, and the and the comparison uh between uh, in economic freedom between the US, Hong Kong, India, China all around the world. And they've been uh now updating quantitative measures of economic freedom based upon five main components including the size of government including the degree of regulation, sound money, freedom to trade internationally, all of them very objective quantitative measures that anyone can reproduce. And uh, a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, they published their findings through 2010. And what they provide is a, an amazing uh, resource, a summary of economic freedom in 144 countries around the world. And the first report, the first good news that they can give us is that economic freedom has been increasing uh, since 1980. It was higher in 1990, higher in 2000, and higher still now in 2010. If you calculate the average level of economic freedom by country or if you make it population-weighted, in, in both cases, uh, 2010, economic freedom was higher than it was in 2000, higher than it was in 1990. And that's great news we tend to be we libertarians we uh people who uh, who crave economic freedom uh, tend to uh, get a little bit pessimistic about what's happening in the world but this news uh, is a bit of a pick me up and a wake up call to what's truly happening in countries like China India uh, Hong Kong is still number 1 uh, but the bad news That they also reported is that while economic freedom rose steadily in the U.S. from 1970 to 1980 to 1990 to 2000, it has been falling pretty steadily since 2000. Now that's a bipartisan story, by the way, because we know that it's not just been uh, Obama who's been in charge for the last few years when economic freedom has been falling, but uh, his predecessor as well, uh, George W. Bush. But because economic freedom has been falling, it's not surprising that uh, economic growth, GDP growth over the, last, over, the, over the period from 2000 through 2010, when the economic freedom has been measured While it's been falling, economic growth has been much slower than it was in prior decades in the U.S.
2: Yeah, well, how does the United States, uh, how do we come in on this, uh, on, on this list of companies, 144 companies?
5: Well, in terms of ranking, uh, the U.S., uh, used to be a number three, uh, behind Hong Kong and Singapore through most, uh, of the period covered. It is now 19th. It has fallen to 19th, which is, uh, partly good news for the rest of the world because the, the U.S. Economic Freedom Index is now about where it had been in 1960. In 1970, it was near the top. It was number three. Now, in 2010, with a similar measure, it's 19th. But it's 19th actually behind the United Kingdom. For the first time, it's behind Canada. It's even behind Denmark. Uh, and that in itself is an interesting story. Now, we tend to think of the Scandinavian countries, uh, Sweden, Denmark, uh, Finland, Norway, as a sort of quasi-socialist. But in fact, the Economic Freedom Index, with its five Components um, demonstrate that while size of government is not surprisingly quite large in those four Scandinavian countries, in terms of the other four measures—regulation uh, of business, especially sound money, openness to trade—these are actually very business-friendly economies, uh, and uh, that's uh, that's part of the reason why uh, these countries have been economically successful. And the whole point about the economic freedom index is that you you can use it uh, in order to test the simple proposition as to whether economic freedom is good for the broad masses of people because that again is my main hobby horse this is not just about this is not about the privileges of the few the few can find their privileges in almost any uh, society especially in a socialist society it's it's the opportunities of the many that economic freedom is all about and the dramatic increase in economic freedom in China, for example, that this index tracks from 1980 through 2010, uh, has been the key reason why hundreds of millions of people in China have climbed out of dire poverty. Uh, they they do further research demonstrating that there's no correlation between the degree of economic freedom and the share of income that goes to the lower 10% of income receivers. Uh, there's no correlation between the share, um, uh, but but there's a high correlation uh, between the, the level of income that goes to the lower 10% of income receivers. The lower 10% are, are by several orders of magnitude, much better off in the countries in the, in the top quartile of economic freedom than in the other quartiles. And so this tells a story and it also vindicates in very clear terms uh, that economic freedom is all about, essentially, all about lifting the standards of living of the broad masses of people.
2: Well, certainly it does. Economic freedom does allow individuals to be who they are, mm-hmm. to allow their individual talents to, to shine forth and to participate in the market, whereas uh, clearly uh, uh, when that freedom is taken away, individuals have to sort of... I guess March, uh, goose step with the, uh, with what the, uh, what the dictatorial countries of the stronger governments are telling us. I'm wondering, well, Gene, it's a little yes. surprising to mm-hmm. me that we would be as well off, uh, with economic freedom now as we were in 1970. Maybe I'm too much of a pessimist. Yeah. But if I look at Mm -hmm. Uh, We look at uh, the huge amounts of bailouts to large banking interests, Mm -hmm. we look at the Mm -hmm. huge amounts of money, we look at a declining middle class Mm -hmm. uh, in the United States, and it seems to me, uh, that seems a bit surprising.
5: Well, let me partially agree with you in this sense. Uh, the Economic Freedom Index is a broad brush stroke look at what the trends have been. Uh, I, I'll, I'll uh, let's change the subject for a moment and look at China. In China, still has, is still in the lower half uh, of countries in terms of its economic freedom, and that ain't great. Uh, but uh, it, it, it is true as well, however, that uh, that sections of China, because there are many different Chinas. Uh, if you go to Shanghai, for example, you can probably uh, perceive a degree of economic freedom that may even uh, remind you of Hong Kong and Singapore. So mm-hmm. it, it, that's a mixed bag. In that case, then, the, the the progress of economic freedom is a broad brushstroke story. Now, when I say that economic freedom has declined in the U.S. over the last 10 years, I guess I would not surprise you in the slightest. You'd say, that's a broad brushstroke story I can agree with. But then when I make a more precise statement, which you've challenged me on, that the level of economic freedom is about where it was in 1970, then you'd say, well, you know, let's take a closer look at this country. You know, we have the time. Let's roll up our sleeves. We do live here. And maybe in certain ways, economic freedom is not as great as it was in 1970. I would point to the fact that there was certainly, there was much heavier regulation. I imagine you would agree, much heavier regulation of industry in 1970. They were only beginning to deregulate at that point, if you recall. And even then, I mean, they hadn't quite. Much more expensive the average person to say flying the airlines, for example, were heavily regulated. The deregulation uh, revolution actually to some degree started under Carter and was continued under Reagan. Mm -hmm. So you probably agree that in certain ways and in certain respects we've made progress in terms of economic freedom. But if you want to say that, if you unravel it and tell the full and complex story about the U.S., that in certain ways our economic freedom is far less, then uh, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. We might quibble about this or about that. But this is a broad-brush story. I wanted to add one point to what you said. The economic freedom uh, is indeed to some degree about entrepreneurs being small business people, uh, large business people, small businesses often become large businesses, being able to operate in the free market. But, of course, the more subtle point, and I'm going to try to explain that uh, in my speech, which you mentioned, uh, thanks for mentioning it, in the forthcoming uh, conference of students for economic liberty, students' uh- for uh, why am I forgetting what they call themselves the uh, uh, the Students Liberty? for Liberty conference? Uh-huh. Students for Liberty. That's going to be Saturday, October twenty ninth at Columbia University. It's amazing how we, how uh, the vast majority of kids who even go through economics courses do not understand uh, that we. I, I'm a bleeding heart capitalist, and precisely because I care about the broad masses of people, I oppose the minimum wage. I oppose uh, laws that favor unions. I oppose the living, living wage movement, all of them actually in the end only hurt the people they're trying to help, and then try to explain to people why when people, hire, when people start businesses and then offer jobs to others, because the vast majority of us are not entrepreneurs and capitalists, we do entrepreneurial things as workers, but mostly we're salaried people. I've, I've never owned a business, I'm just a salaried, I'm a wage earner essentially, but what happens inevitably in the competitive marketplace is that everyone gets their share, and that labor, uh, the ordinary working people, of whom I would say I'm one, I'm just a laborer, myself a wage earner, we all participate in the economic progress of a free market economy.
2: Yeah, there's no question, uh, there's nope. no question about it. Well, I guess the news from what you're saying is generally good in the sense that the U.S. has, has fallen in its level, but uh according to the Fraser Institute studies but in fact uh, the reason we've fallen is not because we've gotten so bad but because other countries have gotten better so well
5: think- yes but but let me, let me sure okay that's that's good news although let me go back and emphasize one uh, the, the, uh point i made earlier uh, in from 1970 in the decades 1970 to 80 80 to 90 90 to 2000 uh, economic growth averaged a little over 3% in each of those decades and and there wasn't uh, as as we both know there were down there was economic turmoil, but overall, there was an average rate of growth of 3%. From 2000 to 2010, when economic freedom was falling, economic growth averaged 1.5%, less than half, and even if you fiddle with the numbers and you factor out the impact of the Great Recession, it averaged less than 2%. So, the the slow growth of the last 10 years um, has been, I blame that on the decline in economic freedom, and unless we turn around, turn that number around round, we're probably looking at another 10 years of dismally slow growth, nothing like what we were able to eke out despite the problems of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, Despite uh, those problems, we still have 3% growth. We don't seem to have too much hope of doing much better than 1.5 to 2% unless we have a rise in economic freedom.
2: That would certainly make sense. Uh, And private property, I I gather that that's factored into the Fraser studies through larger government. So if government is bigger, it means it's
5: well, sector. all of that, sure. All of the measures uh, of economic freedom. This is the security of property rights, and right. you mentioned, you know, security of property rights was certainly abrogated when, when Obama, uh, the Obama administration bailed out General Motors and decided the bondholders didn't have any property rights. Right. Um, no, exactly. So security of property rights, private. sound money, freedom of trade internationally, level of regulation of credit, labor, and business. Um, all of that is, is what government does, apart from the uh, other more a more broad point about the size of government, and as I say, with respect to those other four components—the legal system, security of property rights, freedom to trade, level of regulation—those so-called socialist nations, uh, Denmark, uh, Sweden, actually do a bit better than the U.S. does.
2: Very, very, very interesting yeah. stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, what I what I worry about now, as I look at the mm-hmm. demographics in America, I look at the huge, uh, enormous, and growing. Uh, deficits in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, pension funds under you know in, in a lot of trouble, and so forth. Then, mm-hmm. unless yeah. we do start growing faster than one and a half percent or so, yeah. Gene, I think I think there's going to be a gigantic squeeze on us in terms of taxation or inflation, which is a uh, sort of a hidden tax on people. Uh, and I fear for the future. Um, mm-hmm. But how can you make me, can you make me optimistic about that?
5: Well, I, I, I take it, uh, I'm, I'm beginning to get the impression, Jay, that I'm, that I'm, I'm your optimist, I'm, I'm your optimist of the month. You always call in Gene Epstein to yeah. sound optimistic. <laughs> about the only optimistic silver lining that I can think of is that, for example, given, uh, the likelihood that Obamacare is going to get its grip on the medical care system, I, I, believe it's very possible that in our entrepreneurial society, there's going to be an entrepreneurial rebellion. There's going to be a, a, a vast increase of medical tourism. In the Indian reservations that are exempt from uh, U.S. laws might uh, might might find that they're, they're homes to medical tourism. There might be floating ships beyond the 20-mile limit offering us uh, free market medical care. There might be a rebellion uh, against Obamacare. And hopefully, uh, even if Obama wins uh, in the coming election, uh, the beginnings of a of of a recognition that uh, he's leading us down the wrong road and uh, possibly a radical change uh, later on once we begin to understand the consequences of his folly.
2: Well, those are interesting ideas. Uh, Certainly when people start to realize and start to get hurt, they'll look for ways to to solve the problem. Gene, we Mm -hmm. do have to go. I I have to uh, move on to our next guest, but I want to ask you before we leave again, Mm -hmm. the New York City Junto is coming up this Thursday. Uh, what is it? Seven o'clock. It's at twenty West Forty well,
5: Fourth Street. Seven thirty. Uh, it, it, the formal proceedings start at seven thirty. People can arrive at seven and and uh, maybe meet a few people. It's uh, at twenty West Forty Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm gonna between seven thirty and eight. I'm gonna do a more in depth PowerPoint presentation on uh, the Economic Freedom Index. Okay. That's from seven thirty to eight. And then at eight o'clock, our uh, our formal speaker goes on. An entrepreneur named named Gary Hoover, who's uh, title of whose talk will be Think Like an Entrepreneur. And then hopefully, if I can plug again, Students for Liberty, just write that down. If you put that into Google, Students for Liberty, Columbia, Columbia University, October 29th, there will be a fascinating lineup of speakers. You don't have to be everyone's a student for liberty. You can be 80 years old and still come. And I'm going to be one of the key speakers on Bleeding Heart Capitalism.
2: Excellent, Gene. Well, thank you very much. We are out of time. Uh, always a pleasure to have you. So we'll look forward to talking to you in another few weeks, uh, folks. Don't Thanks. go away. We're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to talk to Anita uh, Huntersee. Uh, she's the director of an excellent new documentary on the loss of liberty in America. Gene was just talking about liberty, not America, not doing so bad. Well, I think Anita may have a few different ideas about that. But we're going to talk to her. She is the uh, uh, she's the director of an excellent of uh, this excellent uh, film documentary film uh... beyond a pale horse so don't go away we're going to be right back with anita controversy
0: voice america business network the bottom line in business
3: Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico, using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of Phase One drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership and loyal shareholder base, Euristar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information.
4: Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. insights call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters
0: voice america business network the bottom line in business
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and the Good Times. I am your host Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me Anita Untreci. And uh, she just corrected me at the break that she is not the director, but she is the producer of an excellent new documentary film uh, that I've recently watched uh, called Beyond the Pale Horse. Uh, it is really a, a story that that captures much of what we've talked about on this show since March of 2009, when it first started. We had our first, our very first guest. Uh, on this show uh... was the uh... was the author of the creature of jekyll island oh. uh the creature from jekyll island uh... and i think he set the table for a lot of the other people that we've had on over the years uh, talking about the powers behind the throne the people that are really uh... that are really guiding uh directing our lives uh forcing us or or conning us into believing uh and to putting our trust in government uh and uh handing over our individual sovereignty to to the nation so this is a film i think that is very very important uh, it is uh i think it's something that uh that everybody should uh, should should watch if you care at all i mean i think most people have their head in the sand and they're just really not wanting to think about Uh, the, the, what might be really going on, why it is, for example, that a Ron Paul is not allowed to be given any sort of, uh, any sort of breathing room in the, uh, 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 in his quest for, for the presidency, and why he's not allowed to gain any traction in the mainstream media. Well, these are some of the issues I think that will become clear, uh, I think that is one issue of many issues that will become clear to those of you who take the time to, uh, to watch this film. So, welcome Anita, it's really good to have you with me.
6: Well, thank you, Jay. I'm I'm proud to be here.
2: Well, I uh, the the movie. Um, w- I guess you and your husband. Uh, you are the producer. He's the director. Is that the way it worked?
6: Yes, that's right. We've worked together for many years in uh, commercial advertising and uh, in those capacities. And Chuck, my husband, is the writer director. He conceived the idea. It's it's called Behold a Pale Horse, um, re, uh, relating to uh, Revelations. Six eight.
2: Oh, that's where the name comes from. Yes. Revelations, yes. Uh, the the chapter, the uh, book in the Bible, Revelations, uh, verse uh, chapter six, verse eight. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Uh, okay. Could you? I, can't,
6: uh, uh, I the... can't recite it by heart, but I can read it to you.
2: Okay, go ahead.
6: <laughs> Just to set the stage a little bit, and I look and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed with him and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with the beasts of the earth. And that refers to, um basically the end time. And there's a lot of different, you know, translations or ideas on that, but it, mm-hmm. it, it's referring to, uh, all the things that we believe that we're involved in right now. In right, the world,
2: not just our country, of course, uh you know prophecy is real if it turns out to be true, and it's false if it turns out not to be true, I guess you could say, so uh I guess you know we have to wait into the future to see what's happening, but not entirely do we? It seems as though a lot of the things that have been predicted perhaps in in the, in the bible have uh, have started to come true, uh but in any event, i want to ask before we get into that that topic matter what why did you and your husband? Uh, clearly it's quite an effort. You had an awful lot of very impressive guests, uh, or people that talked on, that were, uh, that were interviewed on the, uh, in the documentary. So it, it was a gigantic effort on your part and your husband's part. How did you, why did you decide to do this?
6: Well, we had, uh, basically retired from advertising production. We had lived in, uh, Malibu, California for 20 years and we were, you know, all involved in that whole advertising world, um, uh, commercial type, uh, cars and other Disney. We worked for American Airlines, all different mm-hmm. companies. Anyway, we had retired and moved back to Texas. We thought we'd be free here, freer. And, um, it wasn't the way that Chuck had remembered it as a, as a boy. And he was nostalgic for all that. And the more he started looking into, what was happening I I, just slowly things started to unfold and as he realized what was underlying the pretty picture of our country was not what it appeared on the surface and so he started collecting and gathering information in books notebooks spiral notebooks (laughs) you know pushing it off on people and they just didn't get it at all and they started avoiding us and running like the, for the hills when they'd see us coming. So, um, he was basically just raging to God or trying to speak to God and say, why, you know, why do I have this talent to use film and yet, um, I'm not able to do it. Mm -hmm. And it came to him that he should tell this story on film, quit, you know, quit trying to get his point across with other people's um, writings and do a visual presentation. So that's mm-hmm. long story short, that's that's how we decided to do it.
2: And so you weren't uh, particularly motivated uh, towards any political viewpoint so much. You were busy with your life, uh, with your business, uh, uh, doing advertising, commercials, and so forth, and you didn't really. It was only when you retired uh, when you and your husband started to focus on this issue.
6: Well, um, we've always been, um, you know, had our own business. And so we've always been advocates for, you know, we hate, hate big government and, sure. and all that. And living in California is the height of ridiculous reg- regulation. Sure. Um, so.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you were all, you were entrepreneurs and you had a sort of a natural understanding of how government curbs creativity and productivity and how it hurts the individual's liberty and freedom. I mean the topic that Gene Epstein and I were just talking about a moment ago, so uh, this is clearly something that I believe very strongly in, uh, and uh, but in any event, so you started doing this film, um, who are some of the people in your documentary? I mean one of them uh, I knew uh, one of them that was in there was Joan Vion, who 's passed away unfortunately, I think she uh, she died of cancer. She is a very uh, a very interesting lady who I never did have on my radio show. I was expecting to have her on never got around to it before she before she left us but she uh, she had written a book I know about Prince Charles and the connection between uh, global warming and how that issue was being used uh, in through the United Nations to uh to try to take national sovereignty away from nations. Is that sort of what she was about?
6: Yes, she uh well we had a very long interview with her. She's she's Italian, she's a short little lady that just a total fireball of energy. Um just someone that you love to know and um she had we had met her at a seminar and Chuck filmed her for several hours on all subjects but that was the main thing we we've used of her so far Was introducing agenda twenty one uh...
2: to to what was that
6: Uh, introducing agenda twenty one the film deal and
2: and 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 that's certainly something i want to ask you about uh... we we've definitely got to get into agenda twenty one because i think that's an extremely important issue that people need to know about i think hardly anybody knows about it uh... and and so it's very important. Uh, but that was Joan Vion. Also, we've had on this show, uh, Lieutenant General Boykin. Uh, tell us about what he's about. What has he done?
6: Well, he is an incredible, uh, three-star general who was not a paper pusher. He has had adventures all over the world. Um, he's a, he's just incredible. He, he commanded the mission in Mogadishu, which became the movie Black Hawk Down. Um he's a founding member of Delta Force. He was the commander of all special forces. He captured the uh, Noriega. He uh he I'm, he I'm sorry, he captured Pablo Escobar and uh in Grenada he took uh, a hit by a 50 caliber um I guess you would call it bullet shell, I don't know. It it ripped into his body and he he lived to tell about it. He's he's got his whole Life is a big adventure. He's written a new book called Never Surrender, and he says in the movie, our movie is called Behold a Pale Horse: um, America's Last Chance. And he says we were all born for such a time as this, and he believes that um, as a Christian, we're in a in a battle for a good versus evil. It's it's much bigger than Republican versus Democrat or one country versus another but that there are um powers that are evil and they are creating uh chaos and we are <laughs> about to fall into it from the point of view that my perspective anyway
2: yeah well definitely, uh, general Boykin talked about um, uh, he had experience in the CIA and I believe in terms of uh, studying communist insurgencies in various countries when he uh, worked for the u s government and when he worked for the military That's right.
5: That's right. and uh
2: y- you know in the uh, in the film, he talks about i think it's six different trends or sort of um patterns that emerge. When countries, uh, move towards, uh, communism or, or fascism or dictatorship or where the ruling elite, uh, runs the show essentially. And you, you mentioned this whole thing of a uh, spiritual warfare or good and evil. I have to go back to the, uh, you know, to the founding fathers, the Declaration of Independence, which, uh, you know, I don't think kids are taught anymore in the, in the schools. Uh, you know, I'm old enough, uh, to, to have been taught and in fact, uh, Charlie Smith, my 8th grade teacher, made us uh, memorize the first lines of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, when you think about that, that was perhaps the most revolutionary concept uh... in western history western civilization the notion that we are individuals who are designed by god or by our creator capital c in the declaration of independence that uh... that it isn't government that has the right to rule over us but it's god that has the right to rule over us and that uh... and that makes all the difference in the world i think it's something that probably people don't think about anymore but when you think about it what is more important than that than that basic concept
6: that's absolutely right and that's addressed in the film as well Um... That is the underlying concept of our country that had never been done in history before, and we're on the verge of losing it. We're the, we are on the verge of losing all these things that our our founders fought for, and and generations before us have fought for. That's one of the reasons we have Charlie Daniels as our, our as our um, spokesman, and he's he's been in business for. Uh, show business for fifty years he's a legend in the country music scene and yes. he's a he's a godly man and he's a man that's stood up and spoken up which is very rare in the uh... area of celebrities we look for a celebrity to put his name on this thing and uh... they're hard pressed to stand up because it might hurt their career to say some things but yeah,
2: if they believe him at all but but when you think about it um if you go back to that declaration of independence if we uh, if, you know, if we believe that there is no God, that there isn't a creator, and we, you know, that's something that each of us have to figure out or, or come to, to grips with ourselves. It's not something that anybody can dictate to us. We either believe it or we don't. If we believe it, that there is a God that, that created the universe, uh, and that he rules over Caesar, then ultimately our allegiance needs to be to God and not to Caesar. But if we take away God, then Caesar is who we have to turn to is that what's happening in america is that what's happened in nazi germany is that what's happened in the soviet union the u s s r isn't that a common thread that kind of runs through dictatorships is that we have to pay our our allegiance to obama or to bush well
6: i think that in all those instances and in a in a global government which is what we're headed toward which is what agenda twenty one is all about um, we, they're, they're ha- they have to get rid of individual religions because that gets in the way. So there has to be a global religion and that's why there's been a blending of a lot of, uh, morals and, and different philosophies where even there's, uh, there's a new term called Krism, which is, you know, we all need to get along and we, the Muslims need to come into our, our churches and, and have their fair share of time and, we yeah. should take crosses down because they're offending different groups and, you know, where it gets to where we're just, we don't have anything. We've lost all, all that.
2: We've all lost our, our ability to, to uh, to, to well, we've lost our ability to believe as we, as, as we, well, we've lost the connection between the creator, maybe. Is that it?
6: Well, that's partly it. We've also, we're losing our national sovereignty and people yeah. are expected to think as a global citizen. And, you know, take care of the whole world, et cetera, and they don't, the younger generations, when you mention education and how you, you know, you're old enough, and I am too, that we grew up in a certain time, but, but part of the story, which will be told in part two, we have a part two, by the way, and a part three, uh, because we had so many fabulous interviews, we couldn't fit it all into a, to an hour and a half show, but, um, education is key also to destroying our, our American sovereignty.
2: Yeah, indeed. I know that uh uh, General Boykin talked about nationalization of major industries and he talked about the banks and the autos, the redistribution of wealth, uh, through the bailouts, but of course that's been a theme that's been ongoing for some time through the tax code, through inflation in the United States. Discrediting, uh, the opposition. I, uh, you know, you have to, if somebody starts to gain credibility and they're against this, uh, the establishment, the ruling elite, then they have to discredit them. And I think of Ron Paul and how the establishment did its best to keep him out of the view of the, of the mainstream, um, and and to Absolutely. keep him, his popularity from rising, and censorship was another thing, and uh, taking away the right to bear arms, and uh, and then one that uh, General Boykin mentioned in your film, uh, this constabulatory force where people snitch mm-hmm. on each other. I mean, this is something mm-hmm. that is well underway apparently in America. Absolutely, so, it is. Uh, you know, they, we're, we don't have nearly enough time here. Now I'm thinking we should have carved out a whole hour for you. We do have another guest coming <laughs> on after, but okay. uh, after the top of the hour here. But but there is so much to talk about. So I think we have to ask you, though, about uh, this, what is it called, Agenda 21? Uh, what would you like to know? Well, well just tell our listeners, uh, explain what is it, what's it about?
6: Um well Agenda 21 is was uh, established in 1993 when Bush went to uh Rio de Janeiro and they set up the the UN set up this uh global agenda that they had hoped to reach by the 21st century and it, it describes um it's a, I think it's about a 400 page document and it des- describes uh how land will be handled so so our land here in America is being taken uh, up by Agenda 21 um, regulation, and and put into conservatories and and wild lands and wetlands and all that. This is this is making it where the land is more uh, nature is above man. In other words, we need to protect nature from man, and we need to regulate it. So man can't get in there and damage things so um, it is um, it's it's just insidious and it is also uh on every level of government it's been infused into the system um, and it, it all has to do with regulations even on the county level um, it has to do with land it has to do with um, with minerals with with everything everything yeah, it is really, is three. this
2: uh is this document uh can people get their hands on it to read it
6: Yes um, it's on it's on our website um,
2: What is www- that website tell our listeners right now because they need to go there also to order your uh your video
6: Okay uh the site is the same name as the movie it's a pale horse and then the ending is .tv as in television and we have some documents on there, and, the, and Agenda 21 is one of them. We also have the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence um, and the Communist Manifesto, which is excellent, very enlightening.
2: Well, I, I think that uh, some people have made, you know, I've looked at that Communist Manifesto and have realized that we are not very far away from that uh, in America ourselves. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think one of the issues that I heard mentioned in the film uh, with respect to Agenda 21 calls for an 85% reduction in global population.
6: That's pretty shocking.
2: And um, how will they yeah. bring that about? How well, that
6: kind of ties back into Revelation 6-8. Um, it could be through, through, uh, pestilence, uh, hunger, um, war, uh, you know, famines, earthquakes, that that's the way it's, descri- it's described in, in Revelation. But in, in modern time, I guess you could say it, it could be it could be nuclear war. It could be um, the poisoned food and water that we're you know subjected to um, you know shock. Right. I,
2: I, I was going to say uh, to uh, the way <laughs> the
6: the global globally <laughs> that's also addressed in part two, but we didn't go we didn't go that far in part one part one is just kind of an overview of uh... it's you know it's charlie daniels interwoven out throughout and we've got historical reenactments of such notable times in american history as washington crossing the delaware which um... you know obviously was a pivotal moment for american history similar to where we are now where you know they they had decided the uh... Americans had decided—well, they weren't Americans, but they were uh, wanting to be Americans—to throw over the British rule. And we're, we're at a similar point in time, and it was a very small group that actually took action. And right. that's why I feel that there is a chance for our country now, because there are a lot of people like yourself and, and myself and, of course— most of the people I'm in contact with have yeah. the same feeling.
2: Well, Anita, we are, we are out of time, but I would like to read off a, a quote from your, the start of your video. Uh, this was in 1939 from a Lutheran pastor in Nazi Germany, and he said the following. First they came for the communists, but I was not a communist, so I did not speak out. Then they came for the socialists and the unions, but I was not, neither a socialist nor a union member, so I did nothing. Then they came for the Jews, but I was not Jewish, so I didn't speak out. When they came for me, there was no one left, end of quote. So, are we in the United States facing something similar to that? Is it, in, is it something that we, that, that could happen any time? I mean, I'm looking at this global economy and I'm realizing it seems to me that we are in big, big trouble with debt that cannot be repaid, wars and rumors of wars everywhere. What are your thoughts as we close? <laughs>
6: Well, I think that's, I think that is where we are, but we, we do have an opportunity to change the, the course of history by standing up and saying enough is enough, drawing the line in the sand and, and telling other people about it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's very good. And I know you're trying to do that. You have part one is out. When is part two going to be ready?
6: Probably by the first of the year.
2: Okay, well people need to see part one. It is very, very important if you care at all about your country, about your future, about your family's future, if you care at all about who is really in charge of the world, I think you want to pay attention to this. Whether you're a believer in God or not, I think, uh, you owe it to yourself, uh, to, uh, to really take a look at this, uh, at this wonderful, excellent movie. Very well, very well written. No, I'm not saying it's going to make you happy and warm and fuzzy. To the contrary, it's a, it's a warning and a message, but I think a very important one. And if you want to be prepared for the future, then it's better to know the truth than not to, as unpleasant as it may be. Anita, I want to thank you very much for being with us. I hope we can have you or your husband or both of you back sometime, maybe uh, Mr. Daniels or uh, General Boykin. It's really been great talking to you. Again, tell our thank listeners before we it. say goodbye. Again, that website is Beyond the Pale Horse.
6: Behold, behold. Oh, behold. I
2: keep saying beyond. <laughs> TV.
6: That's
2: right. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, uh, for Thank being you. with us. Folks, don't go away. Don't go away. We do have to go to a commercial break at the top of the hour here. And when we come back, we'll have Alistair McLeod with us again. Alistair is talking about the European Union and its inevitability, uh, its decline, its inevitable decline and the move towards gold and a monetary, uh, gold standard again. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Alistair McLeod.
0: The business community's first choice in internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
3: Eurostar Gold Corporation is re examining well known properties in Mexico, using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property where over 60% of Phase 1 drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership and loyal shareholder base, Euristar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information.
0: All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and